0: together right I grew up in the church I grew up with a in a church that had you know a rock and roll band and that's what I would always tell my friends who went to different churches is a vineyard church and so back in the 80s it was really progressive to have anything other than like a choir and or maybe like really wild you might have a tambourine but like we had a full rock and roll band and I would tell all my buddies you gotta come to my church there's a band and um, I just I had so many incredible worship experiences, uh, just corporate worship experiences throughout my life, and some of them I'll I'll just never forget. They've just defined my life, and so um, I understand why uh, Paul talks about not forsaking the gathering together, because it's just a it's just a celebration, you know, to come together. He talks about in 1 Corinthians 14:26 how. Uh, It says, what shall we say then, brethren, when you come together, everyone brings something. So it's like a spiritual potluck, you know. Someone brings a tongue or an interpretation of a tongue. Someone brings a new song or a revelation or a testimony. And it's just a party. Tracy was absolutely right when she said, uh, look around the room. These are the people that you're going to be partying with. Because we are. Um, Well, today I woke up. And, um, you know, I realized this morning, like many other mornings in the past few weeks, that I just can't do my hair. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm actually left-handed, and I just I, I, I couldn't do it. So uh, oh, I, I pre-opened it. Thank you. But thank you. You're so thoughtful. Thanks big mama. <laughs> so I, I like hats. I just put it on, but then I started thinking, can I pull this off and not in terms of my looks, but like can I pull this off in church and I started to feel all those old religious thoughts like a man shall not dishonor his own head within the confines of the four walls of the church. Well, you know where I told that spirit to go. <laughs> and I think, <clears throat> I heard you know, somewhere that uh, people are 10% more likely to trust a man wearing a hat, so... If I'm not anointed at all, then at least I got this thing going on. <laughs> uh, I woke up today, and I, I just had this thought, uh, this question come into my mind. Um, and it was this, can, can a man self-produce faith? And I, I literally, I woke up with that question. Can I, can I create faith in me? And... Um, I actually like mulling over spiritual truths and, you know, theological type stuff. I actually think about it almost constantly. Um, and uh, so anyway, I, I open up my uh, my laptop and I'm just doing, you know, some of the email checking and whatnot. And I actually stumble across a, a teaching, <clears throat> just like a, a short YouTube teaching and, um the very first question that the guy asked was, he phrased it slightly differently, but he said, um, can we conjure up faith? And I was like, huh, that's interesting. So the Lord had my attention at that point and, um, and I started to think about what uh, an atmosphere of, of faith is like. Um, you know, very recently, I. I injured my shoulder and had to have surgery to strap my clavicle back down. And they told me how long it was going to be before this thing is healed up. And I'm a pretty active guy. I usually start off my day pumping lots of iron. (laughs) And and they told me it was going to be a long time before I could do that again. And, um, you know, I got... No, no matter what kind of history in the Lord I had or, you know, how much truth I believed and, and, you know, how I've seen the Lord come through, you know, direct, like, after my surgery, I was bummed out. And I, uh, I got pretty sad. And I didn't, I didn't realize how intense the sadness is because I'd never actually i would never really dealt with depression maybe when I was like a super hormonal 13-year-old you know it's like whoa it's me like voice crack and uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm usually a pretty pretty happy guy but after the surgery I I got I got super bummed and for like 4 days and then I I opened up uh, this translation uh, it's the passion translation of the of the book of John. And I got to verse 4. And it says, um, life came into being because of him. And it's talking about Jesus. It's describing Jesus as the living expression of God. So life came into being because of him, for his life is light for all humanity. And this living expression is the light that bursts through the gloom. The light, the darkness, could not diminish. And when I read that word gloom, I realized I had been gloomy. And I wasn't gloomy anymore. And I started just to cry. I mean, I was, I was sitting in the, in the house by myself, just crying on my couch, reading John chapter 1, because the living expression of God had broken through my gloom again. And it was uh, it was supernatural, but, you know, what's uh, an, something that's interesting about moments like that is they, they don't look like anything from the outside eye looking in. You know, from from someone who just walked in the room, they would have thought, there's an emotional dude, you yeah. know, crying on the couch. It wouldn't have looked like a big deal. Or maybe moments in worship where the Lord whispers something to you and internally, you know, just... Bombs of joy are going off and gloom is being broken. These moments don't necessarily look spectacular, but they end up being these mile markers in our life that for some reason we remember forever. And it just was a moment that you turned your attention on the Lord. And so as I was uh, thinking about like what an atmosphere of faith uh, looks like, <clears throat> I um, I don't think that sadness is part of it. I don't think that sadness is an atmosphere where faith thrives. Um, And and I would go as far as to say that sadness is just another tool of the enemy. And when I'm um, I'm sad, I, I usually discover I've been believing a lie. I think it was Bill Johnson who said, any thought that you have that doesn't end with hope, is a lie. <clears throat> so what had happened is I, I just I lost sight of the good news, and I needed a refocusing. And then, um, so the opposite of sadness is gladness, joy, joy unspeakable. I write these things to you so that your joy may be complete. The fullness of joy, joy unspeakable, the fullness of glory. So, um, <clears throat> so I think that an atmosphere where faith thrives, an indicator in a, a litmus test or a Richter scale <clears throat> would tell you that joy is also thriving. That, that where, where faith is, joy is. And so I began to ask the question, is joy something that we do? Or is joy something that we experience? And um, I think that joy comes from perspective, true joy. True, lasting joy comes from our perspective. That's why Paul would say things like open the eyes of their heart. Because if we would see, things would change in us and then things would begin to change around us. I think that joy comes from drinking the intoxicating good news of the gospel. So I don't think that faith is something that we can conjure up. And I think that instead of working ourselves up into a frenzy in order to manifest some kind of faith, what we need to do instead is simply... Gaze again upon what Jesus has done for us and rest in his works. I think that <clears throat> if you're able to see Jesus and see what he's done, then you'll, you'll really be able to sit down on the, on the inside and rest. Like Tracy has said many times, Because really, faith looks like rest, like a, an absence of worry, an absence of fear, to be careful for nothing, to wake up like you're, you know, the dude from the movie Office Space and the, the fear thing is gone, like he cares about nothing, like he doesn't care what people think. He has no fear of man, no fear of failure, no fear at all. I don't recommend the movie, but that part is amazing. (laughs) It's very, very prophetic when a man wakes up with no fear and he completely shifts culture. He completely changed that terrible company that he was working for. (laughs) Have you seen my stapler? So I think the number one indicator of faith is joy. You're going to be, you're going to have that that joy when you have faith in the man that's got everything taken care of. And faith actually comes by hearing. So remember I said, I, I don't believe that faith is something that can be conjured up or that we can't work ourselves up into a frenzy or a froth in order to create an atmosphere of faith. Faith comes by hearing. So when I'm not full of faith, I need to hear again. If you're not full of faith, if you are in a place where your faith levels are low, you need to hear again. You need to have that that moment where the living expression of God bursts through the gloom. Do you know that God sits on high and he laughs? He laughs. He actually is a really, really glad guy. Anybody in here love righteousness and hate wickedness? Do you know that it said Jesus, he he loved righteousness and he hated wickedness, therefore he was anointed with the oil of joy above all of his companions. Jesus, a man acquainted with sorrows, who bore our grief, who carried the burden of all of our sin, shame and accusation against God, had more joy than anyone else in history. He loved, So you guys love righteousness, and you hate wickedness. Receive the oil of joy. That is your inheritance. Martin Luther uh, once said, "You have as much laughter as you have faith." This is this is a guy who's been through the ringer, old Martin Luther. <laughs> We're talking about the Lutheran Church guy, he the the Reformation guy. He, I mean, he has he has seen some hardship. He has had like the entire Christian world <laughs> turn against him. And he says, you have as much faith as you have laughter. So we need to have that kind of perspective that all this creation, uh, all of this North Dallas traffic, all of this, all of these Struggles and turmoils, all of these uh, uh, relational drama moments, all of these things, all of this waiting, all of these what we feel like are unfulfilled promises. all All this stuff is going to melt into this glorious, colorful splendor when Jesus is fully revealed again. And we're going to be swept up into this place where there will be no weeping or tears. And it is going to be the most raucous party you have ever seen. I tell you uh, the truth that when, um, you know, the rock and roll scene came, you know, came on the scene and when... uh, When people were, you know, inventing raves with light shows and thumping bass, and you know, people were taking hallucinogenic drugs, and and there was light show, you know, everybody had like flickering lights and stuff. They were only tapping into a like one. Tenth of a percent of what we're going to see in the throne room and what we're going to experience in terms of enrapturing sounds and delight and party and oneness with each other and the Trinity forever. Sometimes we just need to wake up and realize that sadness, doubts, gloominess, melancholy thoughts are not the frequency of heaven. Old school Catholic penitence actually isn't found in the Bible. <laughs> Where we're berating ourselves and beating ourselves up, like Tracy was talking about. That is not godly sorrow. That is, that is condemning his creation, that is condemning his beloved. Faith is uh, talked about as a gift in Ephesians 8, 2 Peter 1:1 1, 1, and Philippians 1.29. Here's some more stuff to be happy about. Jesus Christ is God's mind made up about you. He is the manifestation of God's nature in you and your nature in God. You were made after His design. In his image, in his likeness, let us make man in our own image. He is not just the prototype, but the perfect display of flesh on the earth. And and that's another thing that really gets us bummed when we stand in the mirror and condemn the body that God created that we're looking at. He loved, you know. uh, Religion hates anything that's material, the material world, and religion hates your body. Religion will try to get you to curse everything about you. You'll stand in front of that mirror and 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 pick out all your flaws, and and you know that like every every single organ and sense in your body was specifically designed by God to lead you into an encounter with Him. He loves your funny ears that stick out too far. (laughs) The reason they're called love handles is because he loves love. It is the fatness that breaks the yoke. He loves your button noses and your long noses. He loves your eyes that are close together and your eyes that are far apart. He loves loves all the smile lines on your face. When you're standing in front of that mirror, he's he's just just delighted by the beauty of you. When we were singing that song to Jesus about you're beautiful, he was singing it over us. I see your face, you're beautiful. He's just singing it right to you. So... um, The message that this world needs to hear is not another message about uh, self-help and how to make ourselves better. It's a message about a man who overcame all the forces of darkness and is currently overcoming every power of evil. And the reality of his victory can be my victory when I simply believe. 1 John 3 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. That's some good news. Did Jesus not accomplish the things that he set out to do? Just go like this. (laughs) Jesus, he definitely accomplished what he set out to do. He destroyed the works of the devil. Here's another one. Uh, Hebrews 2.14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That's why we can uh, run into a battle and say, bring it because I know where I'm going if Tracy doesn't resurrect me. I know the end of the story, that John Thurlow song. Coming up from the wilderness, something like that. What did he sing? I know the end of the story. <laughs> he knows it. We know the end of the story. This is another thing that gives us great joy. There's a lot of spit. <laughs> Be anointed, front row. Carl Barth is a theologian who said, Theologians who labor without joy are no theologians at all. Sulky faces, morose thoughts, and boring ways of speaking are intolerable in this field. <laughs> really hope I haven't bored you all tonight. <laughs> I just love that. Sulky faces, morose thoughts, and boring ways of speaking are intolerable in this field. He was a happy, old-school dude from hundreds of years back, drinking the new wine way before we were a flicker in our dad's eye. (laughs) The joy of the Lord is our strength. If you're feeling weak, it's because you're not happy right now. And it's, this is not a, this is not a rebuke. This is not condemnation. Like I said, you can't conjure up joy. You just got to go hear again. His yeah. faith comes by hearing, and hearing that word of God, even if it's something that He said to you ten years ago. Dig up your journal and, be, and just read that word and just marinate. Speaking of words, what, uh, new guy, welcome to storehouse. What's your name? Yes. Brian, Brian, I, I, when I was uh, worshiping uh, I felt like the Lord said that you have um, you're like a harbor where goods are able to pass through you like a project manager or a contractor you're able to take um, projects and everything necessary and uh, plan out the implementation of <laughs> Finishing that work because um, you're able to, like, um, have a picture from above. You're able to see the end from the beginning. And, um, but I also felt like the Lord said, um, heart of David, that he sees you. I just see you, like, sitting on a rock on the backside of Bethlehem, just tending those few sheep like David. You got a heart of worship, man. Does that make any sense? Cool. Yeah, (laughs) I hit the perfect frequency when I cleared my throat. Also, uh, something. Okay, so I've been in the church a long time, like since I was born. So more than thirty years, and I, I uh, was closely linked uh, to that Toronto, Toronto outpouring in the in the '90s when the church got slap happy and you know, like super joyful and laugh, laughy. It was it was great, totally. I got my stamp of endorsement on that just in case you were wondering, wondering what kind of church you're in right now. I loved it. I loved all the joy. Uh, the, the, the church needed a divine extraction of everything that was making them gloomy, and they needed that joy to be poured out in their hearts. <clears throat> but um, that joy was not like a, a means to an end, it was poured out to be our existence. Like he didn't pour out the joy just so that we could get happy enough to, to pray real hard. Like he just wants his kids happy. I'm so fully invested in my kids. I have four children, their happiness. I want them so joyful and so happy and I have a much better father in heaven than I'll ever be on earth. He wants us super joyful and super happy. I believe that faith is fostered in the environment of joy. And both faith and joy are the simple fruit of knowing Jesus, knowing how great he is, How pervasive and entire are His victory? Is His victory? Is His victory? Do you know that when Jesus uh, was walking the earth 2,000 years ago, He is currently alive and in this room. His spirit is named Holy Spirit. But when we got to see the acts of, of Jesus recorded in Scripture, um, when he went to those parties, he was, the dinners that he was invited to, or he was hanging out with um, tax collectors and sinners, um, he didn't stop at the door and say, you're going to need to sacrifice a goat before I can get in there. Because holiness is going to burn you up. Have you ever wondered about that? I, I've wondered about it. In fact, he didn't, uh, he didn't deprive them of his presence until you know, they, they sacrificed to him. He just wanted to get in there. He wanted to get really close to his broken-hearted children. So Mr. Mr. Joy himself, Jesus Christ, he would show up to parties full of perverts and gatherings of gluttons without first demanding payment. They got his presence without payment. In this moment, I'm not endorsing sin <laughs> whatsoever. But I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is not a scaredy dove who flitters away the moment we think a bad thought in church. We haven't grieved the Holy Spirit. He actually, uh, if you you read the the word, in any way that I read the word, I, I see him showing up where sin abounds. I see him rushing in To those places because he is the light. He's addicted to getting into the darkest places because he's the light. So, God doesn't want our burnt animals, He wants our turnt hearts. (laughs) i'm not kidding you know the father he was never actually interested in animal sacrifice you can find this in the bible yourself as you get into the prophets where is it let me let me get there well here's actually just straight from Psalm 51 You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it You take no pleasure in burnt offerings The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart O oh God you will not despise Hosea 6:6 For I desire mercy and not sacrifice An acknowledgment of God rather than burnt offerings It's, it's a super bummer to believe we have to earn his presence. He actually just wants to rush in. A heart turned towards him is all he's looking for. One moment. The moment that you want to want him want you to want me the moment that you want to want him he's like good enough (laughs) Um, do you guys um i've got one more thing i really want to tell you guys it'll take five minutes You know, the, uh, I brought this up just in passing before, the parable of the unwise servant who hid his talent. There's the one servant that got the 10 talents, another servant got the five talents, and the third servant got one talent. First of all, that proves to you that Jesus is not a socialist. I just want to throw that out there. Internet world. <laughs> The guy that was unfaithful with the one talent, the poor dude, his money was taken and given to the rich faithful guy. So the God actually rewards responsibility and stewardship. He will, he will send his rain, but you got to actually irrigate your field and do something with it. He will send his rain on the wicked and the righteous, but the righteous usually store it up and use it to sprinkle their fields. I'm Just saying. <laughs> All right, bunny trail, come back to me. All right. Uh so the the guy with the 10 talents invests it wisely and so, and the, when the master comes back he says I've you know, I've doubled it. Here's here's 10 more. And the guy and the master's like, "Well done, good and faithful servant." You've been faithful with this. I'm going to like, give you a whole bunch more. You're going to be faithful with much. And, so, um, and then the, the one with the five says basically the same thing. He's doubled hit that, the talents. And the Lord says the same thing to him. The master says the same thing to him. And then the, the one uh, with the, the one talent says, Master, I knew you to be a harsh and hard man who reaps where he doesn't sow. And so I hid your talent. I was afraid and I hid your talent in the earth. See what is, you know, have what's yours. And then the master said, if you knew, if you knew me to be harsh and hard and reaping where I don't, so why didn't you at least put it in the bank and get some interest? Take what, you know, take from him and give it to the guy who has 10. Now, what, uh, I saw that parable in a, in, a, in a very new way recently, and I began to search through Scripture for months uh, before you know I wanted to say anything about this. But I actually couldn't find a Scripture where it says that God will reap where He doesn't sow. I, I, I found many Scriptures where God sends His rain and it produces you know seed, and, and he sc- he scatters His seed, and then the, the the angels come and 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 you know reap, but He doesn't. This guy actually had a perception of the father that was completely wrong. I also couldn't find a place in scripture where God is known to be hard and harsh. But he knew him to be that. Where did he get that idea? He believed that God was like a marauder who just, you know, comes in and takes what isn't his. He's very shrewd on the evil side of things, harsh and hard. Where did he get an idea like that? And what did it produce in him? It didn't produce joy in his labor. It produced fear, and he hid what God gave him. That's why I say things like we we have to look at the Father. We have to look at Jesus. We have to see him because when we see him, we're going to hear from him. We're going, to, we're going to realize that he's way better than we thought. A lot of that, that fear and, and all the, the things that were keeping us from being faithful with our lives, are, they're just going to become laughing matters. And you're going to think, why did I ever believe that stupid stuff? You're going to see him the way he is, that he is not a harsh, hard man who reaps where he doesn't sow. He's quite a bit more like the prodigal, the prodigal father, the father from the prodigal son story. A father that knew he had a foolish son with wickedness in his heart, and he still gave him all that money. And when that son came to his senses, he said, I could just be a slave maybe in my father's house. And he comes back to his father and, he, and his father, you know the story, the, the, the dad jumps off the porch and runs to him because he hasn't seen him in forever. What was lost was found. And, and the son starts to give his speech. I'm a, I'm a dummy. I uh, squandered everything you gave me with licentious living. Just make me a slave in your house. And the father's like, get the fattened calf. Bring my best robe and that gold ring. He lavishes his gifts and his prosperity on us. Because he knows that when we screw up, he's still going to love. And that will be the thing that earns our heart forever. He's interested in your heart. That was um my thoughts from the last few months (laughs) hopefully it came out in some sort of logical order for you guys um, (laughs) Um, we're going to be a sign and a wonder on the earth our church and you know the church of Dallas is going to be a sign and a wonder on the earth we're going to be drunken joy warriors when everyone's super duper serious And they're telling us all the things that are going on in the world and in the news and the political realm and terror. And we're going to be drunken joy warriors. We're going to be signs and wonders. We're going to be the happiest element in every room that we walk into. Our joy will be contagious. When depression and fear is the the most contagious sickness, we will be walking contagion called joy.